Ethereum is the epicenter of the biggest trends in crypto, from NFTs and DeFi to blockchain scaling and zero-knowledge proofs. And here we want to ask the most important questions about the future of Web3. Uh, welcome to Polygon Pod. My name is Pavel, I'm content lead at Polygon, and today we want to talk about the business case for blockchains going green. Uh, as a bit of context, Polygon recently announced a pretty ambitious sustainability plan, and we think our motivations and, and lessons we've learned can be pretty instructive for other projects considering how to handle their own impact on the environment. Um, this intersection of blockchain and green tech is, is super interesting, and there's a lot to discuss. Uh, so let's jump right in. You guys want to start off with a quick introduction? What do you do? Who you are. Hi, hi everyone. Thanks, Powell, for having me. Um, so Jaslyn here, um, part of Polygon, uh, looking after you know anything growth related. So um, I guess it's a quick one for me. Um, and yeah, over to you. And we have Archimedes too. Hey everyone, I'm Archimedes. I'm one of the co-founders of Klimadao, um, engineer by trade, but I guess uh, Web three Solidity engineer <laughs> by night. Um, I've written and designed many protocols on Polygon over the years, and I'm a huge fan of what you guys have committed to and what you've got done, and and I uh, helped build a lot of the tooling and protocol that actually allowed for this to happen. So great and super stoked to be here. And, and just as an aside, Jaslyn is probably the most informed person inside Polygon when it comes to green initiatives and carbon offsets. So it's really great to have her here. Archimedes, I, I've listened to a bunch of your other previous podcasts, and I'm always curious, how does one get started in, in carbon credits? <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> this is not a major uh, thing in college, right? Journey. You know? Uh, no, well, actually, kind of. I mean, I technically hold an electrical engineering and environmental engineering degree uh, is what I, um, that's my formal training. Although I do almost no electrical engineering now, uh, it's all software. Uh, I did at one point. But how do you get into carbon credits? Uh, good question. I mean, over the years, I ended up building a lot of different things. Um, and I wanted a way to make things carbon neutral really quickly. Um, and so carbon credits obviously came to me as a solution, but there was never like a, a good tokenized version of it. Um, so we ended up building Klima and, and we helped a lot with the Toucan guys. And then we helped with the C3 and, and there's a whole bunch of other people working on stuff. So it was really like a necessity thing more than anything. It was like my own selfish desire to see, <laughs> to build better <laughs> products. I was like, I really need this to exist. So I need to make it, um, like all great, uh, products. They stem <laughs> from an engineering desire someone who someone somewhere was like i really need this so i'm just gonna have to build it interesting so you so you you came to it not necessarily from the activism uh side of things but more from the from the building things and engineering side of things yeah absolutely it was it was completely like design and like requirement driven it was it's not it didn't come from activism at all it's just purely like i really need this and so i need to figure out a way to make it work and so yeah, over the years is kind of where Klimadao has resulted and, and kind of in the last six months, it's worked out beautifully. So we're, we're really excited about what yeah, we built. I think I the progress is made. I really need this as like the start of a lot of great products, I think, and <laughs> good software. Uh, so so let's jump in. Uh, just the basic sort of structure of the conversation will be first, we'll, we'll talk about the whys. Uh, 
the reasons why Polygon is doing what it's doing with its carbon footprint, why other projects may want to consider it too, and then sort of get into the weeds of, of how you actually go about uh, doing this. So starting with the why, um, a, a kind of really basic question, why would a team or a company go through all this trouble of figuring out carbon offsets, uh, you know, picking the right provider, then expending, you know, probably considerable capital on, on something like that doesn't necessarily have an immediate impact on the business side. In other words, what's the business case for for going carbon negative or neutral? Um, Jessalyn, maybe you can kick us off since you're right at the center of that whole decision <laughs> at, at Polygon. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, you know, th- this is this is not something new. Um, um, focus on sustainability and climate action in particular um, has, you know pretty much exacerbated um, due to, you know, COVID-19, the pandemic, um, where a lot of, you know, for example, uh, institutions and uh, governments around the world, they realize that, you know, we're not ready, right? When the pandemic hit, um, a lot of the, for example, the special task force that were set up, they weren't ready to, you know, um, you know, face the pandemic. And so they realized that, um, you know, with climate action and, you know, with climate change, they realized that with this, they weren't, they weren't doing enough. Right. And for, uh, corporates as well, for businesses, startups, they realized that this is going to impact them down the road. And more importantly, um, you know, they care and also, uh, you know, their users and their clients or whoever it is care about, uh, care about this as well. So it's, it's pretty much really, really intertwined <laughs> this this whole thing uh, and so for polygon our north star is aligned with the united the united nations sustainability goals so one of the goals um, that we want to support is climate action and we're really working towards this goal through our recently announced um, green manifesto um, initiative and you know this is to really ensure that um, we're not taking an act, a, a passive approach when it comes to climate action but we're really deliberate in our actions um, and we're you know really taking a, a more thoughtful um, you know approach to climate action um, because we understand that um, as polygon grows and as um, you know blockchain and web3 um, kind of becomes more important. Um, uh, this is something that we need to kind of be a thought leader in and, and not just, you know, be passive in this. Mm. Yeah. Archimedes, I mean, you, you've seen lots of projects come through through Klimadao. What are some of the uh, trends and like motivations that you see that might be common? Yeah, ooh, is there, we could talk about that for a long time too. Um, there's a lot of stuff that comes through the Klimadao desk. I mean, almost so much that we all like never have capacity to go through it all. It ranges everywhere from like full on protocols, whole layer ones. Um, Polygon themselves obviously was like the first big one, uh, but like DAOs, like all sorts of different projects with different motivations for getting to some sort of climate goal. Um, it comes from, yeah, it can come from external pressure. It can come from uh, internal just desire to do stuff. It, it really ranges. Like there is, we've, we've seen pretty much everything. And if NFT, little NFT projects, jewelry companies, uh, DAOs, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. And, and it's it's growing every single day. Like we have new new inbound interest all the time. And we're talking to all sorts of people. 
Um, so what we're trying to see, I guess, is if we can come out of this and see if this becomes the norm, right? So we've started something. I think Polygon definitely leads this whole uh, space now. And like it's, it's by example, for sure. Uh, people definitely look at Polygon and be like, well, if that's like now the minimum, right? It's like we have to do exactly what they do, uh, which is crazy. Like I, I didn't think we would get this far that fast, but definitely I've had some seriously interesting conversations with various foundations. Um, running different you know blockchains and saying yeah we we're interested in this and we're actively exploring it um and for various reasons like like i mean blockchain in general uh as a technology has been blasted for the last like two years for being bad for the environment right and this is like something that we saw lots of last march um with people just you know blasting nfts as like this horrible art medium and it was just it was burning the ocean and all this stuff which is just simply not true right like we all know that but the thing is is what people really have a desire to do and, and kind of really interesting in crypto is they want to change that right like it's always about proving yourself right that whole attitude of don't trust verify and that i think has now people have realized well we can just do the same thing with our emissions and our footprint as we can you don't have to trust us that we're, you know, carbon neutral. You can just verify it. You can prove it all and you can see it all on chain now. Uh, and this is like very much coming into the the idea that this is important for a lot of these people. So it's really cool. I mean, I, I won't name names, but we're talking some some large protocols. Very, very interested. Um, probably, you know, on the same scale of, as Polygon and, and kind of move the whole like the whole industry forward, essentially. Like so we can move beyond this idea that blockchain is bad for the environment and just get on with changing the world. I mean, for Polygon's part, I guess we have to acknowledge that some of the nudge came from the users. I mean, uh, despite the fact that as a proof of stake chain, we are, are, you know, footprint is vanishingly small when you consider it outside of the Ethereum part, and we'll get into it later. Uh, just the argument that our footprint is relatively small was just not having traction with, I guess, a lot of users who, who you know, that was it was just not good enough. Uh, and I think, you know, sort of Polygon, we heard those voices and we felt like, you know, part of the motivation was to respond to that. Yeah. Uh, Jaslan, I think you also, you know, you, you deal with a lot of, uh, you know, enterprise side clients. You know, there's this sort of broader movement, broader acceptance of like SDGs as just not something you do for PR purposes, but sort of as... It's something that you take as core corporate values and you act on, you know, and, you know, and in a sense, like if you are a, a blockchain startup, a Web3 startup, and you want to do business with, with big companies, you're going to have to be on board. I don't know what, if you have some experiences to share on that end. Oh, I know that um, when it comes to, you know, working with a lot of non-crypto native, um, you know, teams and companies who are looking to kind of explore Web3, um, you know, part of their... Um, considerations on which blockchain to build on is is actually you know um, does this does this blockchain or or does this team actually think about sustainability? What are their thoughts on ESG as a whole, generally speaking? Right. So ESG being the environment, social, and also governance. And so we took it pretty seriously, right? Because we're not just going to you know do something short term and just be like, okay, we're carbon neutral. <laughs> um, we we wanted to um, because. Although, yes, there were a lot of external pressures, we felt that this is something that we need to um, also not only take seriously, but do right. Um, because, you know, it's something really easy to just kind of um, uh, say that, okay, um, 
if, if you do something um, for the short term, it could be called out really easily. And, and this is something that's that, that has happened in the space um, time and time again. If, if you've, you know, um, seen with, um, uh, you know, WWF and, and the whole like emissions FUD around like, oh, like Polygon's emissions actually a lot, a lot larger than um, they claim it to be or, um, you know, the analysis. So so I guess what I'm trying to say is that um what many people um, don't really think about is kind of infra- as an infrastructure um, in terms of the architecture, Polygon's built on top of Ethereum, uh, so to speak. So, so that means that we actually inherit a lot of the emissions um, that you see today. Um, and so to date, um, I think it's roughly around 90,000 tons um, of emissions uh, since the, proof, the Polygon proof of stake chain um, uh, was actually incepted. Um, years back, and yeah. So when it, I, I guess to summarize, when we work with non-crypto native companies, um, like for example, um, our recent uh, collaboration with um, Meta, with Stripe, for example, and Adobe, um, all of these companies they really place an important focus, and they even have teams um, that actually look towards this, right? And so, you know, if we want to work with them and help them on their Web3 strategy, we also need to think and uh, think about that. Archimedes, do you have uh, examples of non-Web3 companies coming to you guys for offsets? Yeah, many. I mean, there's been quite a few organizations, uh, funds even, like carbon traditional carbon funds that are, are kind of looking at what we're doing. Uh, there's a lot of people um, like... Even even someone as simple as Mark Cuban, uh, he's been like our biggest uh, fan and supporter from from day one. But he used like he offset I think eleven hundred tons last year for his own businesses. Um, so you know, very simple tradfi typical type of people coming in, seeing the the cost benefit of what's going on, and, and they definitely take advantage of it. So yeah, we've had quite a few. Um, I, you can go through the love letters. I mean, at this point, like, I've, I've lost track. There's we'll so the many. Like we'll there's there's. Yeah. There's there's so many in there. You can see exactly who did it and, and everyone. Uh, I know Offsetra does quite a bit. They're kind of like a Web 2, Web 3 organization. They did uh, actually the, the calculations for Polygon, but they help a lot of their traditional um, companies do stuff. So it's there's definitely... Uh, been there's lots and it's and it, and it grows all the time like so it's it's definitely um something worth watching for sure and i mean i guess so so like so far we have you know public facing reasons right you know why you'd want your users to know that you're green uh business facing sort of business partner facing reasons for business development and i think there's also maybe like an internal aspect to it you know if you look at the past few years the extent to which tech workers at like Companies like Netflix and Google and Uber, Facebook would stage walkouts, for example, you know, because of everything from ranging from like sexual misconduct to military contracts or which is simply leaking unethical practices to the press or, or quitting and going somewhere where they feel is is a more ethical place. Like the, the worker activism in a space where 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 talent is scarce is is a serious lever. And I think, you know, it's probably double so in, in the Web3 space. So so another reason, maybe internal cohesion. You know, a lot of your uh, people who work on your project might in fact have strong feelings about that. And, you know, you want to make sure the business is aligned. Um, if you have any thoughts on that, and Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Jasmine, I don't know if you can... 
elaborate like there we had a lot of uh back and forth with polygon because a lot of your partners like had lots of questions about like how the whole system yeah. worked right we spent weeks like answering okay like this is how it works like this is why you can trust it this is like all the stuff here's all the proof like you know all the stuff uh if you want to elaborate on that that's cool too yeah 100 percent. i think that this has happened um you know um in, you know, non-crypto native companies. And, you know, we kind of foresee this for crypto native companies as well. Um, talent is talent. It's not like, you know, if you're a non-crypto native, you don't care about the environment. Um, good talent. Um, you know, we, we want to um, ensure that, you know, it's for our employees and also the wider community that we're, that we're in and with Web3, it kind of balloons to kind of like the entire planet, right? So, so um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that um, is that when we, you know, tell our employees and our community that we are with you 100% on, you know, what you believe in, you know, when it comes to um, not just, you know, not just sustainability and climate action, but more, but you know, more broadly with um, the U, the United Sustainability Development Goals. Um, you know, for example, gender equality and education, that is something, um, that they feel that they can, um, be with the company for a lot longer, um, and not feel misaligned with the company, if that makes sense. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think definitely regardless of whether you're in a non-crypto native company or a crypto native company, I think that doesn't really stop. Um, you're, you're not going to stop suddenly seeing like employees not really care about the environment or gender equality or even, you know, for example, education. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's um, that's just my two cents on that. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is a sort of person who spent two years as a business journalist, 22 decades as a business journalist in my previous life. I, I find it fascinating that that it's it's. You know, I think like if you're grappling with the questions of carbon footprint, it's a sign that your business has arrived at a certain threshold. You know, like you've you've made it to the point where other people care what the footprint is. You know, uh, but I feel it's kind of unprecedented for for a lot of Web three companies who've been barely around three four years to 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 do something that took like the the Gafa companies you know decades to arrive at. You know, it's almost like asking Airbnb to offset the carbon footprint of their like you know, apartments, you know, at year three, you know, when they're barely out of, you know, the, the San Francisco mattress stage. So it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Um, I think we covered the whys. So let's get into the house because there's a lot to discuss. Uh, and this, like, as someone who is fairly new to it, I found it really kind of difficult to, to digest. There's just so much jargon and like the alphabet soup alone can sort of curdle your brains. But, uh, but Archimedes, maybe you could just walk us through the very basics of like carbon offsets and all the VCMs, BCTs and NCTs and whatnot. Um, yeah. I mean, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the the show. Uh, this is where, where the magic happens as they say on MTV cribs. Um, so no carbon credits uh, in general and as a concept uh, is the idea that, someone somewhere does a client a carbon mitigation 
uh, action of some kind, whether that's installing renewable energy, protecting a forest, uh, you know, doing all sorts of stuff, uh, cooking with better fuel. There's like there's lots of examples. And these are what's called methodologies. Methodologies are ways you can measure this reduction. So someone does this action, they then apply for uh, a carbon credit, and this carbon credit is then sold to somebody else who cannot make an outcome. So instead, they pay. So they say, I can't reduce my footprint past this. I've done everything I can. I have to offset the rest. And that's kind of the basic premise of it. Um, within that, there's like then further discrimination between voluntary carbon markets, which is referred to as the VCM, and then there's the compliance carbon markets. Uh, compliance carbon markets is like the idea that one country can trade to another their emission outcomes. Uh, this is categorized under what's known as the Paris Agreement. I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, Basically, like the idea that France can trade its emissions to England and and vice versa based on like a specific outcome. Now, this is much more broad and, and there's a lot of rules around it. And it really hasn't taken off because, as we all know, world governments take a long time to decide things. So that's like it is a market that exists in various forms, but it's not hugely accessible to the large public. So then everybody else operates in what's called the voluntary carbon market. So people like Facebook, Google, Stripe, Amazon. Anybody that says they're going carbon neutral or reducing their footprint will first basically try and reduce their footprint as much as they can. So reduce emissions here and there by, you know, driving less or, you know, doing specific things. And then once they get to a number that says, okay, this is our footprint, we then, then they purchase offsets from the voluntary carbon market. So the voluntary carbon market is exactly where this operates. The, the majority of it, about 70% trades under a standard known as VERA, uh, the voluntary carbon standard. Vera basically maintains those methodologies we were talking about earlier and then goes and verifies in all these audits, all these projects that exist. So to get a carbon credit, not only do you have to prove that you did the mitigation outcomes, you have to prove that you actually did the stuff, you then have to get it audited by a third party. So if you have one, if you have a carbon offset in the first place, you went through a lot of rigor to get there. Uh, so it's not that people often say that you know they, they don't do anything or whatever, there's no additionality. Well, it's actually very difficult to get one uh, because you have to prove everything, especially in the voluntary market. So this is what's emerged over the last 10 years, let's say. In the last six months, what what has occurred <laughs> and what Klima Dow basically spurred and pushed uh, for, for this to, to happen was the ability to take these Vera tons and tokenize them in such a fashion that is provable, verifiable down to the last gram on-chain and then tradable on-chain in a liquid uh, form. So all the acronyms you see, BCT, NCT, MCO2, UBO, and NBO, those are all just various forms of tokenization of a varying standard. So BCT and NCT are made by the Toucan protocol. They tokenize specifically Vera tonnage, BCT being a broad spectrum of tons from any type of project and any type of methodology. NCT spoke, focuses specifically on nature-based stuff, uh, like forest de forestry, deforestation, afforestation, that kind of stuff. MCO2 is designed by the team at moss.earth. They've been around for a couple of years, actually. Um, and they do similar stuff. They tokenize a Vera tonnage that they have, but specifically out of the Amazon rainforest. Most of it is where it comes from. Uh, those guys are fantastic. And then there's also the new guys that showed up like a couple of months ago from C3, uh, where they designed UBO and NBO, which are a little bit stricter and tighter in range than BCT, NCT in terms of the years and the vintage. But the concept remains the same, like basically a universal catch-all type ton, UBO, and then a nature-based one uh, for all those. So it doesn't matter what any of these, where they come from, what they are. What they are is they are a tokenized version of a carbon ton. 
So you can fractionalize it on chain from one ton, like one metric ton of, uh, of carbon down to grams. And you can do all sorts of really cool stuff. And so that's what we did. KlimaDAO was basically the implementation of the engine behind it. So the tokenization is one piece and it's very important. And it makes sure like the whole, the, you can read about these protocols. They all function more or less the same in which they like do like verifiable retirements. You can check in the Vera registry where your town came from and all that stuff. It's really fascinating. Um, but what lacked and didn't exist on chain was the liquidity for this and basically creating a system that allowed for this trading to even occur in the first place, because without liquidity, price discovery is hard. And uh, as we've discovered this week, liquidity is king. <laughs> it matters for everything. Uh, and it's really important that it, it drives the whole economy surrounding this stuff. So, so even off-chain, like the liquidity doesn't exist. So if you're familiar with carbon credits, uh, they are very fragmented. They, the whole market is opaque. Like all deals are pretty much OTC deals where that means over the counter where one party knows the price and the other person doesn't know the price. And they're basically like trading this like very dark um, pricing scheme. So re really what ends up happening is people profit a lot more than they should. And it's not as exactly fair as it could be on chain. Obviously this whole thing is run by AMM. So there's, there's you know, exactly the price and the quote at, at that time at all times. Uh, so it just makes the whole thing a whole lot smoother. Uh, and so KlimaDAO is basically using the same mechanics that Olympus DAO did and the, the groundbreaking stuff when it came to the protocol owned liquidity. Uh, and we basically built the whole same mechanics around carbon. I mean, they focus specifically on stable coins and creating stability for uh, a broader currency in the DeFi space. We focus specifically on carbon because this is something we know really, really well. I mean, most of us have been operating in this space for five, 10 years before that. So we've been, we really know what it needs and what it requires. And, it's it, the results are, are staggering. I mean, it's it's uh, at today in today's market, there's about 25 million tons on chain. Um, for context, the entire Vera registry that's available for purchase at this time, I think, is around 350 million. So we're <laughs> sitting at about five percent uh, of the entire Vera um, registry entirely. So th that is, you know, in six months' time, that's a huge, huge achievement. 90% of it is owned by Klimadao, so obviously, like. There's only really 10% available uh, for, for purchase uh, within that. And then obviously there's like liquidity that goes with that too. So it's uh, it's been, so coming back to what is a carbon credit? Why is this important? <laughs> so you come back. So if we go back to the very, very beginning of, of this conversation, when you are, exactly what you said, Pavel, when you arrive at the, oh, what is my carbon footprint question as a business or as a person or as an organization, you're basically like positioning yourself. Okay, I need to figure this out and then do something about it, right? And in bigger businesses have more opportunity to do something because like they have lots of processes uh, that they can look at, they can optimize, they can reduce footprints here and there. But not everybody has that luxury. Like there are sometimes just certain things that you can't overcome simply because of the process of what you do. So you end up start looking at offsets, and offsets here is is where exactly what we've we've uh, enabled. So if you were to do the same process today, so if Polygon said, okay, we need ninety thousand tons, and they went to go to the to the market and they said we need ninety thousand tons, um, so they'd go find a broker, a broker would then quote them a price, they would take six weeks to th then turn that around uh, with a verpa, and it would take forever, and then the retirement would take time, and they would all be done on their behalf. So like. Polygon would never see a Vera account. They would never have, like, it would all be retired for them. It would never be in their control. They'd never, and like, they would always have to 
ask this broker to go and find the certificate for them. And it's a whole thing, right? The, the difference here is, is what we've created is you can do this in minutes. Like I can come to the to chain, pick 90,000 tons of whatever choice I want. I want nature ones. I want Amazon at Moss ones. I want uh, UBO, NBOs, whatever I want. I can pick it, buy it in that moment and retired in the same transaction, which is exactly what Polygon did, I think, today, actually. Um, and that is like a huge change in the whole space because it, it allows anyone to participate in this whole system, and it doesn't put any barrier to entry for action. And I'll, what we've also discovered, too, over time is small to medium businesses, like SMEs, essentially, uh, are largely left out of the whole carbon market, and they, they're, they're underserved entirely because they just this whole process takes way too long. But in this case, they can do it, you know, so fast. And and the other thing too, is we've discovered is the price is about 60% better. So we've cut out so many middlemen and so many people that were like cut, taking a cut in the middle and like, you know, inflating the price that on-chain tonnage typically sits anywhere between 50 to 60% less than off-chain. So those are the basics. And this is kind of what the, the has arrived in the, in the actual market itself. Um, the mechanics of how CleanMeDAO works is based on Olympus so that can take its own podcast on its own. But fundamentally, that's what what we've created, and and we're super stoked that Polygon was able to use it in such a simple, awesome way. Uh, thank you for that explanation. I think I think sort of the one aspect that that that's missing is the the retirement process. I think the word itself might not be might not have as much explanatory power if you don't really understand what happens. Can you can you quickly sort of tell us what does retiring? Uh, mean and 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 actually probably yeah. dovetail strip into the clima like overall mission for why you guys uh doing what you're doing yeah definitely so retiring for those of you who are crypto native listeners is the same thing as burning an erc20 token it's, it's like irreversibly gone like you can no no longer get it back uh, in the off-chain world like it, when you retire a, a carbon ton, it can no longer be retired for by anyone else. Basically, you get to claim the benefit of that carbon reduction. So we can pass around this offset as many times as we want. It's like a $5 coupon. Uh, but ultimately, the person who redeems the $5 coupon gets the $5 benefit. Uh, and so the retirement is exactly the same thing. It's, you know, we can trade carbon tons for whatever and speculate on them. But ultimately, the person who does the retirement gets to claim the benefit of whatever tonnage that they're retiring. So in the case of obviously Polygon retiring 90,000 tons, those are irreversibly always tied to Polygon. No one can ever take that away from Polygon. No one can ever say, no, they didn't actually do that. They're lying. It's all on chain. It's all verifiable. It's all tracked. And there's a transaction hash that proves it all now. Uh, before the process was obviously very manual, happened in, in Vera. And there was like obviously like a lot of stuff that went through that. But that's basically what it is. It's like a... Uh, it's the carbon world version of ERC-20 token burning. Got it. Thank you. Um, you already kind of brought it up, but the, but the very, you know, if, if you're on a pathway to become a neutral or carbon negative, the very first step is trying to figure out exactly what is your footprint. And um, it, this this is a is a, a separate hairball of a question, but uh, but maybe we could talk a little bit about the methodology that the Klimadao and etc. use to, to help uh, Polygon figure out uh, how much carbon exactly is our network putting out there. Definitely. So we worked over like many weeks to get this done. Uh, Offsetra guys are fantastic at this. They're truly like wizards at it. They work in the DAO as contributors as well, and they definitely help with a lot of analysis. Um, but fundamentally, it came down to a few things, right? 
largely the bridging emissions and checkpointing, uh, which are two pieces of the Polygon POS network that are really key. They also looked at hardware, so embedded embodied carbon, as well as just general transactions that went through that. And based on like a lot of the standardized methods, like so if you read a lot of the papers that Offsetra put out, they actually have built a tool for this called carbon.fyi. If you read a lot of their stuff, like it's all based on like other people's research and like collectively we all kind of arrive at the same numbers and they and they basically apply this methodology and said, okay, this is what it is and like this is what you should think of and and we kind of went through that whole exercise and it's it is definitely an undertaking, especially when you're looking like at a whole blockchain network. Um like you know like like Polygon. And that's why it's like it takes time. But once you have that number, it's very easy to do, right? So that's that's the whole piece. So those those guys, like we wrote a huge blog on it, like uh, documenting our, our our methodology and our thinking. Uh, you can read about it on our on our blog, and, and it documents out pretty much everything that we thought of, and like all the stuff that we didn't think of, and all the stuff that like was out of scope, in scope. Like this whole process and methodology, while it might seem uh, foreign to the Web3 space. It's got a fancy name in in the non in the Web2 space. It's called LCAs, Life Cycle Assessment. Uh, it was actually something I studied a lot uh, and I did a lot of <laughs> before I got into the world of crypto. Um, and so life cycle assessment is is really about looking at the life cycle of a particular product or or, or a particular item or something from cradle to grave, essentially. So like going down to uh, when the actual product was like the materials that went into it, the energy to extract those materials all the way to disposal and recycling of that, you know, material, if it ever gets recycled or something like that. So it covers basically the entire lifetime of the product. And so the same types of analysis and thinking goes into networks as well. <clears throat> thinking about all the inputs um, and trying to figure out exactly what, where all that fits. And, and you'll get like pretty close. Like you'll get, you get 90, 80, 99% there. Uh, and then, you know, over time too, you get better and better data and you can kind of make better assumptions, but there's always like room for improvement on these things. Like they're never definitive. And that's why life cycle assessments are often repeated, right? Like by different people. And you can always um, have, you know, other people verify the same thing. And if many people come to the same number, then more or less you understand that this, this number is, is, is correct. So that's a lot of what we do at ClimaDAO is we've started helping a lot of people do um, emissions analysis it's very easy to do for on-chain stuff like NFTs. Like we have a tool for that. They just punch in a number, it's done. Um, but for, you know, more complex things like, you know, stuff involves server racks or hardware or like travel, like we actually look at like employee stuff too. All those things factor in and you got to start, you know, making calculations. We're releasing actually a couple tools. Um, so it'll be a little bit more self-serve that we'll actually have more of this as well. Uh, all for free, obviously, because like we want people to, to make use of this um, rather than us like do anything for them. But it's, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a science for sure, but it is sometimes art too. Like it, there's an, like art and, and science into like defining scopes too. Like, so scope, scope. So like scopes are like the idea that a particular set of emissions belong to a specific place. And then scopes are defined differently based on the region you're, uh, you're participating. So like there's scope one, two, and three. Uh, scope one goes into like the manufacturing like side of it generally. Scope two is more or less transportation and like moving the, the product around. And scope three is like downstream like usage emissions. Uh, not always the case because like some people define it that differently. Like sometimes people say scope three is, is around... Um, like the actual disposal and stuff like that. But anyway, what that is, is basically it's defining like the rules for which you are 
outlining everything. So lifecycle assessments that are considered proper can cover all scopes. And that's exactly what we did for Polygon is we looked at everything um, and came up with one, this one sort of interesting thing to add about the, the, the network assessment for Polygon is that just the, the big blocks were transaction on Polygon POS, uh, hardware, these are the nodes and you know validators, and then checkpointing on, on Ethereum mainnet and then bridging emissions. And when you really look at those numbers, it turns out that the checkpointing and bridging emissions from Ethereum are, are, are something like only order of 99% of the emissions, which is, you know, in a way, yes. uh, awesome news if, if the, the proof of stake if not if, but when the proof of stake uh, shift happens, uh, you know, that's just in one full swoop and that just that many of our emissions of the network will be taken care of by, by the change. Yeah. Uh, Jason, maybe you want to talk to us about a little bit the results. What did we find about our footprint and, you know, what, what did we do about it? So, so it's around uh, 90,000 uh, 90, tons of, uh, you know, CO2, um, that we've emitted since inception. Um, so this is particularly um, for the Polygon proof of stake uh, network. And so last year, um, this number looks to be around uh, 85,000 tons. Um, and so just to give a bit of color on what this looks like, um, that's around 70 grams um, of carbon per transaction. Um, so for example, you know, um, when we talk about transactions, it could be whatever token that you're bridging from Ethereum over to, over to the Matic or the Polygon network. It could be any DeFi trade that you make. It could be any, you know, NFT, um, you know, minting activities that you do. Um, so that roughly makes up to around 70 grams per transaction. And essentially what that kind of means, if you kind of imagine it, it it's... It's like essentially driving, you know, around 260 meters on a car, which is kind of like a few blocks down New York or wherever you are in this world. This kind of unit conversion is always uh, amusing. It reminds me of, as a journalist writing about like nuclear power and having to like measure everything in millisieverts and convert it into bananas, basically, since they're naturally radioactive. Because you need to make you need to like people <laughs> give them something they can associate with. Which I don't know if it actually helps, to be honest. But yeah, uh, a couple of blocks in the city. You know, is it a lot? Is it not? It's it's sort of obviously it's relative, but I think it's a kind of a very visual aid. So yeah, and. And maybe you can talk uh, through our sort of the green initiative that was the result of that assessment. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess it all kind of started off as like, okay, we want to do this, you know, take the right approach in doing this. So um, we want to be a thought leader when it comes to, you know, the wider Web3 and blockchain ecosystem. Um, and so using the United Nations um, uh, Sustainability Development Goals, um, we're looking at specific goals, one of which is climate action. And uh, we've announced a few weeks back that we are going to pledge 20 million um, to our sustainability goal. And so if I were to break it down roughly into, I guess, like three parts. Um, um, so the kind of like the first part of it, which was working with Klima here, um, and off cetera to kind of measure how much are we emitting, like, you know, like what, um, um, we were talking about just now and, you know, after understanding how, how much we're emitting, um, we are, we are seeing that, okay, um, through offsetting this, we are going to become carbon neutral, right? 
And so we want to actually really push that to become carbon negative because we feel that, you know, as a thought leader in the space, we have to do a lot more and we have to lead by example. And so we've purchased around 40, um, 400,000 um, US dollars worth of, you know, high quality, traceable um, on-chain uh, carbon credits, uh, in particular BCT and also MCO2 uh, carbon credits via Klima Infinity. And so that's the first step. And then the second step is that um, <clears throat> I actually commissioned um, CCRI. So CCRI is the uh, Crypto Carbon Ratings Institute. And so we're commissioning them to provide a secondary audit on our carbon footprint. And this is really important because, um, you know, we don't want to say that, um, you know, I think this is how much we're emitting, right? We want reliable partners um, within the ecosystem um, to do an audit on us and to tell us how much we're emitting. And so we can work on it from there. And so that's the second part. And the third part is that we're working really closely with a lot of institutions and also a lot of partners of ours um, um, in kind of two broad buckets. Um, one um, related to who, who are professionally in the sustainability, you know, carbon credit space, for example, ICROA, ClimaDAO, et cetera, and registries. Um, but we're also working with a lot of um, uh, partners within our ecosystem as well. Um, and I think it's more of, you know, uh, for for the entire community to just kind of, um, you know, keep your keep their ears peeled and just, just see um, see who we're working with, because I think it's really exciting, um, uh, the folks who are, we're working with to, you know, really, um, be leaders in this space. Uh, and as the final step of that process, you know, the, the retirement, it comes with like a nice little cherry on top, the, the love letters to the planet, uh, uh, or communities, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that, that initiative. Yeah, so part of the stuff that we inherited from the carbon markets, uh, if you look at Vera and how it's set up too, is when you retire a ton, uh, it's not just like you retire it and then you push a button, that's it. Generally, what also is in there is there's what's called a beneficiary and then a, like a, also a note sometimes that you can put in there. So like, for instance, if Polygon went for a broker, that broker would write beneficiary Polygon network, and then they would write like whatever message offset for network usage, right? And that's, and that's so we took that same model, basically repackaged it on chain. So it's exactly the same thing. So it's beneficiary, beneficiary message. That's the two fields that go into that smart contract. And then the marketing guys came up with a really fun idea to call them love letters to the planet. Um, I don't know who, I think it was the Antari or somebody came up with it and he's, he's brilliant when it comes to this. Um, and they basically put this together and they said, well, why don't we just like make like a fun thing that people do for earth day and kind of figure out like, you know, and we, we posted them everywhere. People made some really nice ones. Uh, there was all sorts of stuff. So part of that, like whole experience of doing that, uh, when you go retire, not only is this like tonnage permanently attributed to you um you also get to you know say something with it that also goes on chain forever right so that's you know there's the the beauty of having this this message that goes with it um so there was like some really good ones um that, that went through it um moss did one that said every day we wake up thinking about what's next to save the planet our goal is that this dream is shared with all of us ton by ton offset for a better future for all Clean it out did the first one, obviously, because we had to test the tool. Uh, <laughs> we put a message in there. Forged in the hope we may preserve this blue planet and its inhabitants. 
uh, Olympus Dow did 33,000 tons, uh, you know, a third of Polygon uh, from the Omis with Love, which is, you know, you know, stuff like that. And like Mark Cuban, you know, you know he just put 1,000 tons for my company. So, you know, so you don't have to put a, a love letter, but there's, you know, people like to put a little spin on it. And if you go and read them, man, some of them are so good. But people write some really nice stuff in there. Um, so it's definitely do check them out. It's on notes. I mean, browsing through them is actually kind of instructive because you see something as simple as like one ton and it says flight offset or someone with just like one Australian's worth of CO2. You know, it, it's not always business yeah. or like just to my children. Uh, I, I saw someone say 50% of my profits from my first NFT sale. You know, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I have a favorite one. I, I came across the, this this little bit of poetry it says it's from someone named Simon says Simon maybe my name's Simon and world is dire big air pollute and trees get tired I have no need for private jet I saved the world now carbon offset <laughs> sounds like a joke but that <laughs> guy awesome. said 900 so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like that's a huge amount like so for context like these numbers that we're throwing out the average North American produces 16 tons of carbon a year uh, Europeans are much lower. It's six to eight tons. That's because they don't drive SUVs everywhere. Um, and they don't heat their homes cause it's not cold. And, and so like 900 tons for one person to do is huge. Like think about that. It's like, you know, 10, almost, almost a hundred years worth of like, you know, ton. It's, yeah. it's, it's massive. Like it is truly massive. So I, I do recommend start your morning with that instead of Twitter and you'll get a sort of daily dose of positive vibes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's in closing. So we are recording this in the middle of a pretty historic market slump, you know, the, the Terra Luna, you know, troubles. And, uh, you know, a natural question might be at a time like that, offsetting your footprint might seem like a, a luxury for a business. You know, what, what is what, what message do you have for companies that are maybe considering going carbon, but it's also looking at the broader macro picture right now? Archibald, you want to start? Yeah, I mean, it's never been easier, faster, and cheaper than with Climadao. You can do it in under two minutes as opposed to weeks and save 50% of the costs. It's all verifiable, traceable, uses the same top-grade VCM standards as you'd find anywhere else. And they have a huge inventory, like 25 million tons on chain, available for purchase at any time. Uh, I mean, the liquidity depth alone is, I think, 450,000 for 2% slip. So, I mean, if you're buying lots of tons, you're still not going to move the price, which is really good for a lot of these larger corporations. I mean, it may seem like a luxury now, uh, and there's definitely like some urgency around doing something, but every little bit helps. Like you said, like one ton, that's that's enough, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not that we need everyone to do thousands of tons. It's just if everyone does their part, I mean, it's it's, you know... It's laughable in terms of the cost, especially with you know how much we're saving just simply by not having middlemen in the place. Cool. Jasmine. Yeah, 100%. And also really want to focus more, you know, um, on long term, right? Long term, long term, long term. That's what we should all be really thinking about. Um, because I think with... Um, you know, our market's special. <laughs> Everything moves so quickly. Um, the, the, the volatility, the, the upside, and also how much it could go down potentially um, is really different from any kind of um, any other market, right? And so, you know, um, in this space, I think there's two kind of 
folks who would really thrive in the, um, who would really thrive. It's, it's the builders and it's the, you know, serious long-term users. And when we have, you know, these two folks combined and we're thinking about the long-term and we're also thinking about, you know, like, you know, baby steps, right. It's, you start with a small step and, and, you know, um, over time that, that accumulates to become, you know, something a lot, you know, larger and a lot more meaningful as opposed to kind of just not starting at all. And so, yeah, uh, I, from Polygon side, keep your eyes peeled. We'll be announcing more details uh, with regards to our sustainability strategy. And for example, real world projects, which we'll be supporting with our 20 million sustainability pledge. And yeah, I think it was a really great time um, being on this podcast. Um, our first ever Polygon podcast is, is am I right, Pavel? Yeah, this should be the first one, yeah. <laughs> Well, I didn't know it was the inaugural it's the one. This is one. awesome. It's exactly. a huge honor. We're starting wow. with a bang on sustainability and, you know, carbon. And yeah. It's awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank, Thank you for joining me. I feel so honored now. <laughs> wow. Not that I didn't before. I mean, this is just, that's, that's so much crazy. And then explain the episode, technical crazy. Problems. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> totally. Okay. Thank you guys for coming on. This was awesome. Uh, I appreciate it. And um, we'll keep in touch. <laughs>